You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Paulie, talk a little bit about that. You, you know, as a player, we would sit on sidelines and see the kid sure. get his first at bat or throw his first pitch in the big leagues. And you, you, you know, you always reflect back of what it, when it happened to you. you. But as a coach, as a manager, it's got to be a little bit different perspective for you to watch this. It's it's a little different perspective, Jack. But I, you know, one thing in doing this, you know, you you don't lose the excitement for the person. Yeah. Uh, as you do recall some of your own firsts, uh, you you don't want to just let them slip through the cracks when people come up here and have an opportunity. Just the adrenaline, uh, you know. A lot of these guys have stories and and uh, uh, past that they've had to you know go through to get here. Where a lot of them included a lot of adversity, mm-hmm. and uh, they have found their way into this position. So uh, yeah, we we try to acknowledge each and every time someone comes up here and does something that gets them on the board at the, at the major league level. Yeah, it never gets old seeing the, the the guy walk in there. I don't care if he's 18 year old super prospect or he's a 34 year old the guy who who beat the odds. It's always fun sure. because. You guys are part of such an exclusive group. Looking at your team, great road trip. You're feeling good. You come home, and then you know, kind of sluggish a bit at home. I've been trying to find a word to describe this team. Maybe inconsistent's the best word. Sometimes sluggish is the best word. Do you have a real pulse after 40 games on on what this team is? And it's been obviously a different sort of team with the various injuries you've endured. Well, I think you know, at least maybe generically, you try to get an assessment of your club. You roughly around the quarter pole. Um, it's a little bit more difficult when you've been depleted somewhat, and we have been. Uh, certainly no excuses there. That's part of the game. And uh, I think we're just, you know, kind of trying to find a way to uh, hold our own here a little bit longer maybe than normal at the start of a season, given the fact that we've been playing without some people that we were expecting coming out of camp. So, uh, yeah, the inconsistency I think is accurate. I, I think that, um, you know, at times our game has improved where we're, we seem to be doing better things on the mound and our quality of at-bats and catching the ball and running the bases. But, you know, when when you're, you know, a little bit short, you know, some of those things get a little bit more exposed as far as how much they can actually affect an outcome of a game. And I don't know how many games we've had now. Either we've been walked off or we've been close and can't figure out a way to uh, finish off a game and put it in the, in the victory column. Uh you know, we, you're right. We came off a good trip, and that first game against Seattle, you know, we get shut down and we lose one nothing, and, and that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Just an opportunity to get a well-pitched game and not find a way to win. And these last couple of games, you know, the last Cardinal game, these first two Brewer games, you know, we've we've been outplayed as, as a whole. When you look at all facets of the game, the other teams are doing things a little bit better. Paul, there's an old saying, "Not in our house," and yet here, home field advantage doesn't seem to exist. Uh, for the last couple of years, right. uh, w- any reason for that in your mind? Uh, you know, it's it's one thing if you win 60 games a year, sure. but 60 of those games are all at home. You've got your crowd excited about coming to the ballpark, and this team just has seemed to struggle. I, I, I still think that's important. Uh, you know, we haven't protected our home facility, if you will, as well as I would like. You know, we had a couple of years here where they, we won 50 games at home, uh, yeah. which is a nice home record to have, 20 games over 500. Uh, but we just haven't really, you know, for whatever reason, been able to play as well at home as we have on the road over the past year plus. So uh, it's something I've talked about with the guys. You know, there's nothing magical about being home other than the fact that you should 
have a pretty high comfort zone with, you know, being in your own uh, house or wherever it is you're located here in town and coming out here and knowing the facility and your routine. But it really hasn't translated into us playing as well as we should at home. And that's Paul Molitor. Jack Morris is here as well. The show is Inside Twins. We are just getting started here on a Sunday morning before the Twins and Jake Odorizzi take on the Milwaukee Brewers, try to salvage one in this border battle weekend series. We'll step aside. We'll come back more from manager Paul Molitor, including an update on Joe Maurer next on your home for Twins baseball. Your flagship home of Minnesota Twins baseball, A3O-WCCO. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back to Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury with you on a Sunday morning. Jack Morris is here. Paul Molitor is here. And this show brought to you, as always, by Killebrew Root Beer Made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. Paul Joe Maurer goes to the DL. Uh, and the medical stuff is way above our pay grade in terms of what we can understand. But in terms of how his absence impacts your club. We know he always gives in at bat. His on-base percentage is amongst league leaders. Sure. And what he does defensively, obviously, uh, is a big deal for your team. Bigger impact felt offensively or defensively with his absence? You know, I, I don't know if you can really try to measure it. They're, they're both very impactful to our team. You know, what he can do defensively and the confidence he can bring to our, not only our who's ever on the mound, but our other infielders, I think, has been, you know, a, a very you know significant part of how we've played the game on the defensive side. And offensively, you know, you really need guys in your lineup these days to kind of slow the game down, to see pitches, to find multiple ways to get on base, to either start rallies, be in the middle of rallies, or finish rallies, and Joe's been that guy. So, um, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, I just I feel for Joe, you know, but when he start, uh, you know, dealing with the neck issue initially and then start compounding that with some other symptoms that are concerning, to say the least, we know it was in our best interest to do the right thing for Joe, and that is to give him time to get well. But... There's no question, you know, his leadership and what he can do on a baseball field are, are pretty much irreplaceable for us. Paul, it's it's kind of an understatement, but, you know, when you have a key player go down, there's always that, well, we've got to overcome sure. that. Somebody's got to pick up the slack. When you have four or five guys uh, that are all banged up at the same yeah. time, it's got to be a whole different set of cards. Yeah, it is. You know, you look around the league and there are some teams that are missing multiple players that are are huge cogs of what they do defensively, offensively, and you know we're one of those teams right now. One thing about our game that there's there's no uh, there's no empathy out there no. for our club that's going through that. You know, and if you start feeling sorry for yourself, it's just gonna the hole's gonna get uh, deeper. So, you know, I think it's my job, coach's job, uh, even within the clubhouse, players to players. You know, you gotta you gotta find a way to go out there and and, and grind your way through these these times when maybe you're missing some of your components, but. You know, that's, that's part of the game. It's always been that way, and the teams that, you know, find a way through it seem to come out better on the other end. You know, I keep trying to imagine how we're going to, you know, play competitively here in the short term, and as people come back, hopefully we'll be a better club. You've been missing arguably your ace of your staff for the first part of mm-hmm. the year. Irvin Santana has not pitched yet for the Twins. If the postseason were to start tomorrow and you were in a postseason game, would you have a pitcher in mind to start the game? Uh, I, I wouldn't right here today, Jack. <laughs> if you held me down, I'd probably uh, I'd probably say that Irvin would be a good candidate for me given his track record and the way I've seen him perform for us since he's come over and become a twin. But with that being said, I haven't laid eyes on him now for, for almost a couple of months. I didn't sure. see him throw it all in the spring. Um, reports are all good. I'm hoping he comes back recharged and refreshed and and ready to 
uh, you know, just add to the depth of that rotation. I mean, some other guys have done a nice job to this point. Odorizzi, I think, has been uh, everything that we could have asked for in terms of giving us a chance to win games. Gibson's been mostly good. You know, Lance Lynn hasn't found his stride. You know, Romero's given us a little bit of a boost. But, uh, yeah, it's tough to beat the experience of a guy who you know will handle the emotion as well as be able to go out there and have the stuff to get you through a big game. I hope Jack doesn't have to hold you down and start wrestling around here. It's a <laughs> Dwayne Ward situation here all, all of a sudden. Uh, you mentioned the offense and guys picking up the slack. You, you've said it repeatedly. When this offense goes well, it seems like Brian Dozier is in the middle of it. And yeah. he is fighting it right now. Do you see a way out? I thought last night a couple of walks, maybe, you know, the walking, the running game sure. would get going for him. Something can spark him. He's back in the leadoff spot that he loves. Do you see signs of him coming out of it? Uh, you know, he's had a couple of decent games. I, I don't know how many games he was in that two-hole when I flipped it up when we lost to no. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's no question that, you know, obviously when Brian's going well, we seem to play better baseball collectively. He's a he's an excellent uh, candidate to have up there to kind of jumpstart your offense. You know, he's uh, he's been a little bit hot and cold. I think the walks are a good sign. I think that he they haven't been there as consistently as they were early in the year. And, uh, you know, he's just got to kind of find that swing. He's a little bit off. Timing's a little bit late. He's missing some, missing some pitches to hit. And But we all know, you know, when he gets hot, you know, it can last a long time. And, and we're hoping that's here, going to come up shortly in the uh, – because that's a big part of what we're trying to do. That's the voice of Paul Molitor. We'll hear more from the Twin Skipper along with Jack Morris when we return to Inside Twins after this break on your home for Twins baseball. This is Byron Buxton. You're listening to Twins Baseball on News Radio 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Inside Twins. I'm Jack Morris along with Paul Molitor. Chris Atterbury is our host. And, Paul, I, I kind of want to ask you what, what your thoughts would be in an ideal environment for our listeners sure. to describe the first, second, and third hitters of your lineup. How do you determine the kind of guy you want, your leadoff man, sure. the number two hole, and then your third guy in the lineup? Well, uh, at least I'll try to in a general sense, you know, the – I don't know, whatever, how you want to describe those roles, I think has changed with the new age and the and the data that we, we look at. I think the old school leadoff guy, Jack, was generally not very much of a power guy. He was a good on-base guy who could walk, he could get hits, he could steal bases. You looked at him as a run-scoring machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, your second hitter used to be a guy who could hit and run and bunt and and uh, move runners along. And, and your third hitter was probably the best hitter on your team, usually a combination of both average and power. Today it's, it's shaped a little bit differently. I think that, you know, people are looking to jumpstart their offenses with guys that can, you know, maybe hit it over the fence and, and do some things. You want to have some on-base percentage concerns. Um, a lot of clubs are putting their best hitter in the two-hole now as opposed to the three-hole, not only in terms of you look at the numbers, the guy – who have the most at-bats with runners in scoring position, a lot of teams it's a, it's a two-hole. So not only the first time through the lineup, but as it flops around sure. uh, throughout the course of the game, and plus he's got a better chance of getting that fifth at-bat. So we, we've looked at it differently. Um, obviously last year we made some changes down the stretch when Sano was out. We had guys like Esco and Rosario and people hitting three and four. Polanco was in there quite a bit. And uh, this year we've had to make some adjustments, too, as how, how we've rotated guys through there. So I don't think we have guys that perfectly depict any of those spots, uh, but we try to do the best we can with the personnel that we do have. One of the things that went on before yesterday's ball game, you had all the pitchers out, PFP stuff and yeah. doing some drill work. Is that 
just a, a, a scheduled touch-up or a refresh because you don't get a chance to do that much during the season, or was there something that, that sparked you to want to get back out on and have a chance to do some of that? Well, Garvin Olsen, our pitching coach, had talked about getting out there this homestand. For one, I think it's good to refresh some of those things that you kind of put to the side once you leave spring training just to make sure that you stay on top of it and your pitchers know that you want them to believe the importance of being able to execute defensively regarding their position of being a pitcher. The one area that we were emphasizing yesterday a little bit, I don't think we've been doing a very good job of holding runners at second base. Um, so we incorporated some you know, some of the plays that we worked defensively in pickoff fashions that surrounded not only the actual throws of second base, but how we're going to execute defenses once the ball's put in play. You mentioned that, and it kind of leads me in a different direction, holding runners at second base. You were in a very aggressive player. I, I know that you would enjoy that brand of baseball. This club hasn't had a chance to be super aggressive on the base pass. We see a team in town now in Milwaukee who, who is very aggressive. Yeah. They they bring the fight right to you, much like I think the Royals have done for the last sure. handful of years. Is that a style of play you want to get more back into with your bunch? And is it is yeah. it situational that's kept you from doing that? Is it the personnel situation? Well, how much you can do it is related to, to your personnel somewhat. But I think there is a mindset there that you want to have guys that are looking for opportunities to take advantage of something the other club is allowing you to do. You look at the better clubs around the Angels in Houston, and you mentioned Milwaukee's young and athletic and I think Lorenzo Cain has always been a really good base runner, and I think he's had influence on how those guys are going about running their bases over there. You know, it's your job on the opposing side to find ways to take away any, any edge that they might try to find to execute those type of plays. But, yes, I think ideally, you know, I feel that we're athletic enough to take advantage, you know, of Buxton being the lead guy, but Dozier and Kepler, Rosario, Besky to some degree are, are all guys capable of being a little bit disruptive on the basis. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't had a lot of opportunities that make that happen this year. On a very positive note, we've seen the maturation of uh, Max Kepler. Here's a guy that seems to start getting it, and it's been fun watching uh, his at-bats and how productive they've been. Talk a little bit about what you see. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Max last year, we didn't see a huge upgrade, I think, from the previous year. And um, I think this year so far that we have. I, I think there was a commitment on his part to try to find a way to be a more trustable everyday player, including right-handed and left-handed pitching. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think about the at-bats that he's been taking against left-handed pitching, really starting in spring training, and they've just been so much more competitive I think he's done some study and work on, on ways that left-handers were getting him out last year and compounded with the fact that it became a, really a mental struggle for him every time a left-hander was on the mound. And uh, he kind of wiped the slate clean, and he gave himself a chance to kind of put, put push the restart button. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of our best at-bats have been Max Kepler against left-handed pitching, and it's been good for us to see. Yeah, he gets hard throwers. He turned Chapman around. He gets yeah. soft throwers as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk a bit about today's matchup, Jake Odorizzi and the Twins, Junior Guerra and the Milwaukee Brewers. We wrap up Inside Twins with Paul Molitor and Jack Morris next on your home for Twins Baseball. The radio home for Twins Baseball, 830-WCCO. Final segment here on Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury, pleased to be joined as always by Paul Molitor, Jack Morris here on Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. Today, final game of a border battle series. Yeah. 
is Jake Odorizzi, and last time out for Jake, he's much more efficient. He, he avoided those deep early counts, and he was able to give you six solid innings. Uh, and, and you see Jake climbing back towards the Jake Odorizzi we saw down the stretch a year ago. I think that we talked about earlier, you know, he's been very competitive for us. He has had some starts where the efficiency has, has lacked somewhat, and uh, we've, we've kind of as a club had way too many games where uh, pitch count has climbed early in the game due to not being able to finish guys, turn it 0-2 counts into 3-2 counts and those type of things. But I think he's in a better place. I think his, his, his split has gotten better as the first – 40 games have come and gone. Um, you know, we feel good when he's out there. He's facing a tough club that's hot right now. They're having a heck of a road trip. Maybe not a lot of household names, but guys that know how to play. They certainly got enough pitching, and that bullpen has been lights out for them so far. But Jake's doing a nice job. I'm hoping he carries over some of those things from last start into today. Does it surprise you at all, his success living up in the zone? He's not a guy that, you know, can touch you yeah. know, mid to high 90s. And yet he's really had tremendous success up in the zone. Is it more of an indication of today's hitters that are looking down, down and away all the time? I, I think it's part of that. And I think, you know, also the fact that, you know, hitters don't care about striking out, which means that they are going to expand more and try to hit homers with two strikes instead of trying to put the ball in play. And we all know analytics tell us that certain guys, even at lower velocities, have better carry, better deception, better extension, right. all those things that allow velocity to play up. I mean, we faced a couple of guys this homestand that haven't had very high numbers in terms of sheer velocity, and they've been throwing us throwing it right by us up in the zone consistently. So, yeah, I you know, not being in the box and seeing all that stuff, there's no question, though, that guys have trouble getting on top of his fastball. Let's hope that that's the case today. It also sets up that split change that he throws if he gets yep. him looking for that pitch up in the zone. For Jack Morris and Paul Molitor, this has been another edition of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Reminder, this is just the start of our day across our network. The pregame lineup card is coming up next. And then we've got Jake Odorizzi opposite Junior Guerra, the Twins and the Brewers. The series finale in this border battle weekend series. It's all coming up right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.